Now, this week, as what you heard from Pastor Joey, we begin a new series focusing on the book of Exodus. Now, Exodus is a long book with 40 chapters, and it will take us all the way to next year to complete this entire book. And we will intersperse this long series with other topics that are exciting to the next gen so as to add to the overall spiritual diet of the Word. Now, although it will be a long journey to cover the book of Exodus, it will also be an exciting one to see Yahweh's power and presence guiding the Israelites out of Egypt into the Promised Land. Now, furthermore, you will see Yahweh inflicting His power, His punishment upon the gods of Egypt. And we will also unpack the supernatural realm worldview that the ancient writers had wanted their readers to capture, to understand, especially Yahweh's power over the gods of Egypt. So with this, let me dive into God's Word for today. The title for today's sharing is SHN Dedicated Facility. That's right. Stay home, notice, dedicated facility. The big idea for this week is God has a purpose and plan even though we may not understand His ways and timing. So with this, let me read Exodus chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Nephilim, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. So if you look at this passage, you will realize that Exodus is a continuation from the book of Genesis. The first five verses in Exodus 1 informs us that Jacob and his 12 sons, a total of 70 of them, went into Egypt. Of course, as you read this passage, the question that will come forth is this, why did Jacob and his sons relocate to Egypt? Of all the places of the earth, why Egypt? Of all people, why is the family of Jacob featured in this narrative from Genesis all the way to Exodus. Now, to fully appreciate what God was doing through Jacob's family, we will need to visit some important episodes in the book of Genesis. And the starting point of the story of Israel, or for Jacob, is found in Genesis chapter 12. Let me, let me read to you right now the beginning of this whole movement from Genesis to Exodus for this one family under Jacob. So let me read right now the starting point in Genesis 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, many of you know that this is the well-known Abrahamic covenant 
where Yahweh started a brand new nation through Abraham. And if you recall from the Supernatural Realm series, sermon number eight and nine, we learned that Yahweh assigned the nations to the sons of God, but He chose Israel to be His own. And let's recall the passage right now in Deuteronomy 32, verse 8 to 9, where it says this, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, and when He divided mankind, He, God, Yahweh, fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is His people, Jacob, His allotted heritage. To fulfill Yahweh's plan for a new nation, Abraham was chosen to begin the process in Genesis chapter 12. And we know that Abraham's lineage, from, from Abraham's lineage came Isaac, and from Isaac came Jacob and Esau. And then Yahweh then affirmed and continued this covenant with Jacob. And out from Jacob came his 12 children. Although the family size of Jacob could not make them into a great nation as yet, Yahweh's blessing upon Jacob's family was very evident. The story of the 12 children turned tragic when Joseph, the second youngest, was sold into slavery by his older brothers. So the question is, why did such a tragic event happen to young Joseph? Of course, we all know, if you know the story well, that in, in God's foreknowledge, God had redeemed this tragic event to use Joseph to save his family many years later. And you see, church, Yahweh orchestrated events that led to Joseph's promotion from a slave to the second in command of Egypt, just below Pharaoh in power and status. Yahweh had a plan that Joseph and his family did not fully understand. And eventually, Jacob and his entire family left for Egypt because Joseph could provide food and shelter for them in Egypt. Now, as you listen to this story, you may be asking, say, Pastor, why was it so important for God to preserve Jacob's family? Why? Why, why? why God must go all to that length to, just to preserve Jacob's family? Well, the answer is simple. If Jacob's family were to die of famine, you must understand that Yahweh's plan for a new nation unto himself would not be possible. And through God's anointing upon Joseph's leadership in Egypt, Yahweh then provided deliverance from a seven-year famine to Egypt as well as to Jacob's entire family. Now, Yahweh's idea was not just to save Egypt alone, but through Egypt's enormous resources, God preserved Jacob's family. Now, many of us who are familiar with Jacob's story, sorry, many of us who are familiar with Joseph's story, we are fascinated. We are fascinated with, with Joseph's ascent to power in Egypt. God intervened and enabled Joseph to journey from the pit to the prison and from the prison to the palace. 
And God's mighty deliverance and promotion came in Joseph's hopeless situation. And in our fascination with Joseph's life story, have we wondered what God was doing through Joseph? And as we focus on Joseph's story right now, let's not miss God's bigger narrative. You see, church, you see, next gen, no matter how amazing Joseph's life story was, we must never miss God's salvation plan for humanity through Abraham's descendant, Isaac and Jacob. You see, church, ever since the Bible story in Genesis 11, the nations were dispersed. We know that. And Yahweh wanted Israel to draw all nations back to Himself. However, before Yahweh could draw the nations back to Himself, Israel had to be formed. This nation, by the name, or, or we call it Israel, had to be formed. And by elevating Joseph in Egypt and preserving Jacob's family, Yahweh was setting the stage for Jacob's family to become that nation that he wanted to start. Yes, without a doubt, Joseph's ascent in power in Egypt's political hierarchy was astounding. Yes, but church, I want you to know that the greater narrative was that through Joseph in Egypt, Yahweh could provide the resources and place for Israel to grow and become a powerful nation. I'm sure many believers have heard of sermons focusing on Joseph's amazing story. I'm sure many of you have heard of that, either through your time in, uh, in, uh, in Elevate or even your time in, in Next Gen. And out from this fascinating story, I believe many of us have prayed, I, I include, including myself, I prayed and, and desired to be a, a modern-day Joseph or a modern-day Josephine. And to be a modern-day Joseph or Josephine who has God's favor and wisdom to be successful in our school, in our CCA, and, and even in our workplace for those of you who are working. I mean, who, who doesn't want to be successful in, in our school, in our studies, and in our careers? Who, who doesn't want to be, right? But do you know that success is not God's start or end point for us? Let me say it one more time. For those of you who's, who, who, who are striving for success in life, let me say this to you. Success is not God's start or end point for us. But success is an avenue through which God's plan is to be fulfilled through you. Let me say one more time. Success is an avenue through which God's plan can be fulfilled. And let me explain this right now to Joseph's life. If you were to examine the Scriptures, you will see that Joseph started his life journey with much pain, much rejection when he was a teenager suffering badly as a, as, as a slave, as a prisoner, before any success in his life. And many of us, when we read this, the Bible, we focus only on Joseph's success without realizing that his character formation stage is equally 
necessary. I'll be that excruciating. Some may even pray, some of us here may even pray to God for favor and success. But we pray that God, we don't want the trials and sufferings that, that Joseph had. We just want the favor, the success, but keep the trials and, and suffering to somebody else, not to me. But if you look at the story, you notice that for formation of character through suffering and pain is necessary before success can come. You see, in God's sovereign wisdom, He used the trials and suffering in Joseph's life to mature and to forge his character. And if you study into a story, you will realize that every trial, every pain facilitated Joseph's flaws to be chiseled away from his life. And next gen, I want you to know that as you go through trials and challenges in your life right now, allow God to form your character where it is most necessary. Be patient. Be patient with God's molding process because He's forming you for your destiny. I believe all my heart that God is more interested in you than the success that you want to achieve for Him or for yourself or for your future. So next gen, don't be anxious for success, but allow God to do something deeper in your life, in your character. You see, without integrity and godly character within you, success can lead you away from God. Therefore, a godly character will allow you to enjoy the fruit of your success with God for the long term. Amen? So for all modern day Josephs and Josephines among us, know that success is not God's starting point for you. God's starting point for you is your character formation. Amen? So type in your chat right now. For those of you who are online, type in your chat right now, character formation. Alright, type in your chat right now, character formation. That's what God is looking for through every trial, every difficulty of life to form you, to make you better, to make you stronger within. But let me also say here that success is also not God's end point for us as well. That's right, success is not the starting point and success is also not the ending point for us. Because if you look at Joseph's life story, success was not God's angle for him. Joseph's success in Egypt was for him to be that channel to which God could preserve his father, preserve his siblings, so that together they, can, they could establish the nation of Israel. Success in Joseph's career was not God's end point for him. It was through Joseph's life success that God fulfilled His purpose and plan through the nation of Israel. For everyone who wants to be a successful modern-day Joseph or Josephine, please know that success is not the end game for you as well. When God gives you success in your result, in your studies, in your, in your career, know that success is a channel. It is a channel through which God's purpose and plan 
can come to pass. Joseph's life's success was for the nation of Israel to be formed. Joseph's life's success was for the, for the preservation and the formation of Israel. And I want you to know today, next gen, your life's success is for the kingdom of God. Your life's success is for the kingdom of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you regarding your life and success in your school, in the marketplace. Allow Him to speak to you right now. Allow God to show you what He wants you to do with the success that He has given you. Because success without divine purpose is meaningless. Success without God's purpose is meaningless. You can have all the success in your studies, in your workplace, but how much of it can you bring to heaven with you? You see, young people, all of us will stand before God one day. It's either sooner or later. And when the day comes, how will you define success before God? Do you think that our success on earth, in our studies, in our career, will impress God? Do you think that we can present all our earthly achievements and possessions to God and say, God, here are my trophies, take it. What do you think will be your conversation with God when you stand before Him? I believe, I believe that the conversations will be on how faithful we have been in stewarding our successes on earth for God's purpose. I believe that the conversation will revolve around that. Our faithfulness in stewarding what God has given us. Therefore, success is not the start or the end point for us. Success is but the avenue through which God can use you for His purpose and plan on earth. Amen? So God has not called us to be successful on earth but He has called us to be faithful. Faithful to what He has called us to do. And may we be found faithful to what God has assigned us on earth, His purpose, His agenda, His will for us and our family. And I believe that as you, as you stay faithful, God will bring success to you, to you. And through you, God will achieve what He wants to do. Amen? So type in the chat right now. Type in the chat, be Faithful. That's right. Tell me in the chat right now, be faithful. Now, let me also take the opportunity to address some wrong teachings regarding the prosperity gospel. Now, some of you have heard this term prosperity gospel before. And some of you will know that the prosperity gospel propagates that because you are a child of God, God will bless you with health and wealth to enjoy life. And it sounds really, really good. And many people love to hear things like this. But I want you to examine the scripture because as you, as, as you study the Bible, we see that Yahweh's blessing upon Abraham, upon Isaac, upon Jacob was not just for them to enjoy life. Look carefully, study it because many prosperity gospel preachers, they love to use the, the prosperity upon Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But if you study, you realize that when God blessed the patriarchs, it was for them to become a nation. It was not for them to enjoy themselves, hog all the treasures and enjoy all their life. No. 
It was for them to become a nation. Why the nation of Israel? Very simple. I explained earlier that because through Israel, through this nation, God wants all the nations of the world to return to Him. Yahweh's blessing. Yahweh's blessing intent was for the formation of His chosen people, Israel. God's purpose and plan were always at the forefront of those whom He blessed. He blessed with intent for the formation of of this nation, for His purpose. However, the prosperity gospel propagates success without divine purpose. They propagate their wealth without stewardship. Prosperity gospel propagates health without suffering. And in this belief, you will see a false gospel without Christ, but full of humanism. You see, young people, humanism's focus is all about me, what I can get, who I want to be. is all about me, but never about God's purpose and intent. But the Bible teaches us the opposite. Blessing and success upon believers are avenues through which God accomplishes His plans on earth. Do I believe that God blesses His children? Yes, definitely. And let's be clear too. God blesses us so that we can be His vassal to fulfill His purpose and plan on earth. It is never about me, but always about God, about what He wants to achieve through my life. Amen? So coming back to the story of Joseph, we know that it was Yahweh's plan for the entire clan of Jacob to be settled in Egypt. We know that we read that. But the formation of Israel in Egypt would not be a painless one. And that's why in Genesis 15, verse 13, it says this, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and they will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. It was prophesied that Israelites would suffer. In verse 14, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. You see, if you read this passage, you'll realize that Egypt was a necessity for Israel. Egypt became the crucible of growth for Israel. It was a place for both numerical and spiritual growth. But for the rest of today's sermon, we will focus on Israel's numerical growth. Because in Exodus chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, it says this, Then Joseph died, and all his brothers and all that generation, that means everyone died in verse 7, but the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly, and they multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. You see, next gen, before any family can be called a nation, that family must grow in the strength of numbers, isn't it? For example, right now, I cannot call my family of five the Tio nation just because I want to form my own country, right? I can't. And the same is true for Jacob's family. And before they could become a great nation, 
they had to grow and multiply to a sizable force. And for Israel to become exceedingly strong in numbers, they would require resources. They would require a safe place to grow and expand. And as a well-resourced nation and a military power in ancient history, Egypt became the ideal safe place for a clan of 70 people to become a great nation. And Yahweh used 400 years in Egypt to bring about the exponential growth among the Israelites in a nation that would, that would, that would allow them, have the resources to allow them. And verse 7 declares that Yahweh had fulfilled His promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that their descendants would be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. What Yahweh had promised in the book of Genesis, He had fulfilled by the time we reach Exodus chapter 1, verse 7. Can somebody say amen? For many Israelites, the 400 years in Egypt was a long time. And I believe that some of them might, might have even considered Egypt to be their promised land. Many Israelites would have spoken Egyptian languages, embraced a culture, and settled comfortably in Egypt because 400 years, many generations were formed. But Egypt was never Yahweh's permanent place of home for Israel. Egypt was but a dedicated facility for their exponential growth. Yahweh then allowed heavy afflictions upon the Israelites to revive the desire in their heart for their promised land. Now, this is a powerful, powerful reminder for all of us to learn from Israel's afflictions in Egypt. Because as believers of Jesus Christ, we must not forget that our journey on earth is also not permanent. There is also a better place for us beyond our current earthly dwelling. John 14 verse 1 says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in me, but also believe, believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Now, God's Word tells us that Christ has prepared a better place for us with Him. There is eternity. Next gen, I want you, no matter how young you are today, I want you to know there is eternity after our journey on earth. And that is our eternal home. And we must not live our lives as if everything ends on earth where there's no eternity after our journey here. In our journey on earth, we must be ready that afflictions will come our way. Afflictions such as sicknesses, loss of loved ones, crisis in relationship. There may be even failures in your life, failures in school beyond our control. And when such afflictions come our way, I want you to know that we must never lose heart. Let the Israelites, like what happened 
like the Israelites in Israel, let every affliction remind us that our journey on earth is not permanent. Let every affliction remind us that we are pilgrims passing through earth and being perfected for eternity. Never forget that as they're going through afflictions right now. Because every trial, every affliction comes to strengthen, comes to mature and prepare us for eternal day. Often God allows afflictions to surface what's really deep in our hearts. Some of us may not appreciate afflictions, but we need them to show us the formational areas that will help us become more like our Lord Jesus Christ. When a health crisis hits you, what does the sickness show you about yourself? When there is a, a, a failure in your, in your relationship with your friends, a failure in your exam, what does it show you about your convictions and integrity? When there's a family crisis, what does it show you about your sense of worth and identity? And during this pandemic, what does it show you about your confidence and your faith in God? In this affliction and crisis, what are the fears and anxieties that have, that have surfaced in your heart? I know that some of us are going through afflictions right now in this pandemic. I'm well aware of that. In your afflictions, hold on to God and let Him strengthen your character, deepen your dependence and increase your faith in Him. For the Israelites, even though they were Yahweh's chosen nation, He permitted decades of affliction to form and mature them in Egypt. And similarly, allow God to form and mature you in the afflictions of life right now. Allow God to do His work in your life. Because personally, I learned so much from the pandemic's affliction on us as we move towards the endemic stage of our fight against COVID-19. The pandemic has afflicted me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And this pandemic is the greatest challenge I have ever faced in all my years of ministry. You know, many Christians, when they see me right now, they will, they will say... Many Christians, when they see me either face-to-face -face or online, they, will, they, will, they will often say this. They, they say, Pastor, you look as if you have age. You have age over the one and a half years of leading the church. For sure. For sure that the pandemic has taken a physical toll on me as I have to navigate the constant changes while keeping my bearing on the future direction of where we are heading. While balancing the current with the future. I had to clock long hours working, working from home to cope with the demands of ministry. Maybe because of those long hours, I have aged physically. Emotionally, it's tough. It's a tough time to lead a multi-generational church of 71 years old where there are constant uncertainties and fear of the virus. A multi-generational church means that we have multi-generational needs among us. Every time the church leadership decides on the spiritual needs of the church, we have to consider the many, many options and ramifications across congregations of different ages and languages. And it's emotional for me when we cater to the spiritual needs of one group, knowing that it will be an opportunity cost for other groups. It's emotional for me when we cannot bring parents with their young children back to our church premises 
for the last one and a half years on a weekly basis. And it would be very emotional for me if we would have to have another cluster in Grace Assembly again, regardless of all the safety measures that we have put in place. Emotionally is training, leading through this pandemic. And spiritually, the pandemic has shown me areas that I need to depend on God even more. The pandemic has surfaced areas of my own fears and anxieties that I need to release to God. And I realize that I don't need to be in control all the time as long as my Lord Jesus Christ is in control. And as long as God is in control, I must allow Him to lead and direct even when there is uncertainty ahead of us. To let God be in control, I spend more time in prayer, seeking His face regarding the church, regarding my life, my family. Even though it has been a challenging one and a half years for me, I have grown. I have matured in allowing God to be in the driver's seat. Even though I have aged physically, I have also grown in wisdom and leadership leading through crisis. Even though I went through the constant emotional roller coaster ride throughout this pandemic, I have learned to seek God's face for clarity of purpose. And spiritually, I have learned that I'm not in control, but God is. He is in control. Therefore, I can truly declare that God has a purpose and plan even though I may not understand His ways and timing for me. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank You for showing us that You are the one true God who fulfills Your Word. Help us always to trust You even when we don't fully understand Your ways and timings in our lives. Help us to trust You fully to have believing Lordy in You, never to be shaken but always trusting, always believing, always knowing that You have a better future ahead of us. Thank You, Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you here, those of you online, even at, in Emmaus Hall, allow me to speak to you right now. Some of you here have asked the Lord to use you to be a Joseph or Josephine in your school, in your, work, in your workplace. You have asked God to bless you with success before, but today you realize that success is an avenue through which God can use you for His purpose on earth. Success is not a start or the end point of your life. Your successful life is for God to use you to fulfill His purpose on earth. And today, you want God to use you to fulfill His purpose through you. Where you are right now, I want you to lift your hands to Him and say, God, that's me. Use my life. Use the successes in my life for your purpose and plan. That's right. If that's you, lift your hands to Him. Lift both your hands to Him right now. And some of you here, as you lift your hands, you may need God to show you His purpose for you in the midst of your successes. That's why I say, God, show me your purpose and plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now, group of you, you're going through a difficult time because of the afflictions of life, afflictions of sicknesses, challenges in school, in relationship, or even crisis in your family right now. And you may not fully understand the reason for the afflictions. But regardless of the situation, you're saying, God, I may not fully understand, but in my affliction, strengthen my character. 
deepen my dependence and increase my faith in you, O God. If that's you, lift your hands right now. That's where you are, lift your hands to Him and say, God, that's me. Strengthen my faith, mature my character, O God. Lord Jesus, you see the hands, they are raised. Touch your people right now and let them trust you even when we cannot understand the situation. Enable us to trust you, your timing, your plans, and all that you have for us as we journey through life on earth. Lord Jesus, we declare that we will trust in you when we don't understand, when we don't have the answers, when we can't see the future ahead of us. We declare that we believe in you and all, that's all that matters. So Lord, I commend your people to you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen.